This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Previously on Colors. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. So a year after George Floyd's death, a year after all the complaints about police, the protest, and complaints about us in the media, what's changing in the newsrooms, in the TV and radio stations around the country? In the case of television, it's been generally getting better and better every year. That's less true in radio. Coming up in this episode of Colors. I'm a black woman living in the DMV. And nine years ago, I got remarried to a white man from central Pennsylvania. Her name is Robin, and what she says next is stunning. My husband loves me, for sure, but I realize that he is a racist. We've had a few controversial podcasts, but this one is unrivaled. I knew he was conservative when we began dating. I am a Democrat. We debated a lot of the issues from time to time. However, in 2016, when he began favoring Donald Trump, things began to become very uncomfortable. So just how uncomfortable did things get? To put it bluntly, there were four years of hell in our home. On this podcast, we get a whole new look at racism. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. and I'm a Mexican-American living in Washington, D.C. My name is John Echohawk. I'm uh, a citizen of the Pawnee Nation of Oklahoma. My name is Sara Kamali. I'm a first-generation American whose parents were born in Afghanistan. My name is Michael Edwards. I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. I am white. I'm J.J. Green, and I'm black, and this is Colors. Some time ago on Colors, we had a guest on the show named Katie Musselman, a Korean woman adopted by a white family in Pennsylvania, who recently realized that both of her sisters had married what she called racist men. And for this, it dredged up doubts about how her family feels, really feels, about her being a Korean woman Uh, a part of a white family. So we got a letter not too long ago from Robin Golden. Robin is joining us on the show today, and what she told me in the letter blew me away. Robin, thank you for being on the show, and I'd like you to read to our audience exactly what you wrote. Dear Mr. Green, longtime listener of WTOP, thank you for your works. I recently began listening to your Colors podcast. The episode with Katie Musselman hit home for me. 
I'm a black woman living in the DMV. And nine years ago, I got remarried to a white man from central Pennsylvania. I knew he was conservative when we began dating. I am a Democrat. We debated a lot of the issues from time to time. However, in 2016, when he began favoring Donald Trump, things began to become very uncomfortable. To put it bluntly, there were four years of hell in our home. My husband loves me for sure, and I realized, um, but I realized that he is a racist. With every conversation, um, every conversation with him included what about isms. Um, white people are tired of hearing about race. I don't treat people badly by their skin color. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist terrorist organization and part of violent Antifa. Talking about race makes race relations worse and the list goes on. How did I not see this? Did he change? Did I change? Also, one time we were briefly living in Pennsylvania. I was close to his parents. We talked often. Once 45 took office, that ceased. Their constant watching of Tucker Carlson, Fox and Friends, and listening to Rush Limbaugh pushed me away. I was an acceptable, acceptable Negro to them because their son loved me, but they're racist. And as a result, we no longer communicate. I do love my husband. We are still together. We live in Rockville. We try not to bring politics up, but I realize that he is racist and I don't hold my tongue when I hear it coming out of his mouth. Um, there are many of us out here, so I see. Um, and like you said, sharing is important, mostly because it makes you know that you're not alone and that other families are in a similar situation. Thank you for your work. Well, Robin, I'm going to say to our audience just what I said to you when I got this. Wow, Robin. I'm so glad that you reached out to me. And part of what I hope colors can be is therapeutic or a cathartic platform for listeners and participants. And it certainly is for me. And Donald Trump's presidency unleashed a lot of ugliness in America. We're not here to talk about politics. Uh, that's not the objective of colors. But when it comes up, we deal with it. And I'm going to say this to you. I'm no Dr. Phil, and you know that already if you listen to this podcast. Um, and you don't want me to try to be. But the question that I do want to ask you to start this conversation off was, why did you write that? Why did you feel that you could write or should write that and send it to us? Um, because I think that there are more people out there that have this issue with family members and people that they love. Um, you know, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard when somebody you love and someone you know loves you has these feelings. And I honestly, I really do believe that my husband doesn't think that he's racist. He doesn't think some of the things that he says and some of the things that he believes are problematic or, or he thinks they're just problematic to, to me personally. 
Um, well, he knows that they're problematic to some of my relatives as well, but mm -hmm. he in his heart really doesn't believe that he's racist in any way. You know, and I have to ask this question and it could be rhetorical, but how can that actually be? You know, how can he not know that? And you've said it to him. You told us, and I'm sure you tell him all the time that you love him and he says he loves you. And what he's feeling and, 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 and thinking, which is what he's saying to you, is hurtful to you. And so how how is how has he not realized where he stands um, when it comes to these things that he says? I mean, I'm sure other people have talked about the whataboutisms. Other people have talked about that whole, well, white lives matter, too, or, you know, other things. Um, but. What do you think put him in that position? Honestly, JJ, I I don't know. I mean, sometimes I think it's just cognitive dissonance hmm. um, because, you know, my husband is a person of of good character from what I can see. I mean, he he doesn't cheat. He doesn't lie. He's he's an honest person. Um, so. I can see that. I mean, I, there are times when I kind of wish he would tell a lie to me about something, but he won't. He's <laughs> brutally honest sometimes. Yeah. So the only thing that I can see is that it's just some sort of cognitive dissonance mm. um, with the Black Lives Matter. Um, he really does believe that Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. And for him to tell me that he can't support that, um, is very hurtful. Yeah. Um, there's a Black Lives Matter sign in our front yard, and it's it's been placed there, and he nicely cuts the grass around <laughs> it because he knows he can't move it. Um, but I, wow. I'm I'm hurt that he can't understand the concept of Black Lives Matter, and to say to me, more white people are killed by police. Um, for him to utter those words to me lets me know that he really doesn't understand or 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 he's not admitting that he understands that. I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, this is really complex. I mean, just the parts you've told us about so far. I mean, him, you perceiving him as a racist, telling him that you think he's a racist and I just need to tell our audience this. Uh, when you first um, asked about um, or talked to me about this, I asked you if you'd be willing to come on. You said yes. And then I asked, well, do you think he would want to come on? And you asked him and he said yes. But then we decided that it would be better to talk to you alone because you'd be more comfortable. So he's aware of this. It's not like you're keeping any secrets from him. <laughs> no. So, no. and then there's the Black Lives Matter sign in the yard that he cuts around. Um, so I have to ask you this, and I don't mean to pry, but what is it like in your house, in your home, when, you know, you're just, it's just the two of you there? Uh, it's fine now. Um, we, when politics comes up, we know that it is a hot button issue and, Unless we're both ready to fight and duke it out, we we just try to squash it. 
And I, I, I wish it weren't that way because, you know, he's my husband and I love him and I, I want us to be able to communicate, but he, and he, he knows because JJ as painful as it is to say, uh, there were times when I was in tears because I was hurt by things that he says, things that he's, that he has said, um, that just sounded just so abhorrent to me, uh, yeah. you know, and I, I don't want to bring politics back into it, but I have to say this, um, his defense of Trump and the things that Trump said, I don't see how you can support that and be okay with it yeah. and, and, and not be a racist to some degree. So let me ask you this question, Robin. Did you see, did you not see any of this in him when you met him, dated, got engaged and married? Um, no, I did not. So, 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 so let me I, ask you, let me just ask my follow-up question. Apologies for interrupting. So you didn't sure. see any of that in the beginning. It was like a switch flipped when Trump was elected. Is that what yes. I'm hearing you say? Yes. And this is the very same thing that many of us have seen in other people in our society, which I think in some ways may have led to America's blindness about what happened on the 6th of January, is that there was this switch that flipped. We afforded our fellow Americans the courtesy of them being fellow Americans, understanding that we have a thing called the First Amendment, and just thought that there might be some limit to where they might go. Am I on the right track here? Yes. Is yes, that, was, was that your experience? Was that your thought or was it anything close to that? Or just tell me, you know, how you got from the sweet guy, I'm sure that he was, that you married, to you writing to a couple of guys that do a podcast about race and telling them that your beloved is a racist. Um, yes. Now, I, I want to be clear that um, from the time that I met Scott, um, I knew that we were of different political persuasions. He made it clear to me that he was um, a conservative, and I made it clear to him that I was not. And um, so it, it wasn't that we just had the race thing, that we were of different we were of different political parties, and I knew where he came from. He came from central Pennsylvania, and he knew where I was, which is in the Washington, D.C. area. So um, we we had a great time dating. Politics came up a little bit, but it was never heated or, or, or you know, nasty, which from time to time it has gotten. Um, and, um, you know, it was actually kind of funny at times when when Barack Obama was running for his second term, we had our cars in the garage and mine said, you know, Barack Obama and his said Mitt Romney. And we thought that was funny, but there wasn't any it, it didn't yeah. ever get to the point that it got to when Trump was in office. Yeah. Um, Scott posted a lot of things on Facebook that I thought were just mm. very hurtful. 
so much so that I got off of Facebook and I am not on it now. I have not been on it in years. Mm-hmm. Um, my children and my sisters and my friends have commented and called me and said, your husband is posting things on Facebook that really look bad. Mm-hmm. And that was hurtful to me. And he told me that he had a right to free speech yeah. and he was going to post what he wanted. Yeah. And that was the end of it. Yeah. That, that is precisely what I was talking about. You mentioned earlier something called cognitive dissonance, and we should just explain that to our audience. The official definition of cognitive dissonance is the state of having inconsistent thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes. Yes, pretty much. I mean, the thing is, like I said, um, my husband is an honest person. The things that uh, Trump does, he would never do those things. He would never behave and say some of those things. Now, I mean, some of those things he has said as far as, you know, more white people are killed by police and, you know, Black Lives Matter is same as Antifa and their Marxist terrorist organization. But I'm talking about just the things of general character. He would never behave that way because he's an honest person and he's not he's not a mean, hateful person either. So that is the cognitive dissonance that I couldn't understand. My husband would never storm the Capitol carrying Trump flags, but yet he thought it was a peaceful uh, demonstration. I I don't know what he was looking at, but he certainly didn't think it was an insurrection. Um, This is a complicated situation, as I said before, Robin. So I want to ask you about the the in-laws. So how do they feel about, because you said in your email that you don't even deal with them anymore. So how does that feel? That's, you know, that's actually, um, my husband and I have actually never even spoken about that. I'm sure he um, has noticed that we don't talk anymore and um, and that there's really no communication between us. And, and I want to make it very clear that his his mother and his stepfather have always been very kind and very generous to me, very, very sweet to me, Um, which, you know, that was hard for me too, because I felt like they really liked me. They, They really liked me and cared about me, but yet they're willing to listen to hate. So where- I don't- Go ahead. I don't understand that. So where did you- get the part about being an acceptable Negro. And that was in quotes in the the piece that you wrote to me. Did they give you something that made you think that, or did you, did they say that to you or did somehow communicate that to you? Or is that essentially what you came away from the way in which they engaged with you, but still did this other stuff on the side, which just you found just really off-putting and annoying? Um, I can tell you that was actually a like a private joke between my husband and I, hmm. because um, you know we we've 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 we have had conversations about race that weren't contentious and that sort of thing, um, but you know I know that he's told me that his his parents have never had any friends that were black. He never had black people in his house when he was growing up. His wow. mom didn't have any friends of color. His dad didn't have friends of color. His stepfather, no friends of color. So for 
for them to then, you know, have a daughter-in-law that is black, um, that uh, is educated and speaks well and assimilates seemed like, wow, I think we can do this. I think we can accept Robin because there wasn't anything, I guess, off-putting about me and 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 my brown skin. Mm. Um, my children, they've all graduated from college. You know, my parents are college educated. So I think that made us more palatable for them. Um, and, and that's, but, and, and so I said to him one day, I guess I'm an acceptable Negro. And he laughed and he said, well, yes, that's, that's likely how they yeah. see you. Um, but like I said, I want to make it clear. They've never, ever, ever mistreated me. They've always been very kind to me. But like I said, um, you know, they, they're all, they were, he told me they're all in with Trump. And I know that they watch Fox News around the clock because yeah. I've been there and seen it on. And he tells me that they do. So that is that is one of the tough things for a lot of people that I know and engage with is they know people that are. They know people that are wonderful people. Um, and they know that these people are. Um, decent, but somehow when Donald Trump became president, um, some side of them that they never saw before came out. And, you know, you know, I know people of, of all political persuasions and I have seen so many arguments and fights, physical fights, uh, about politics since, 2015, since the run-up to that election, and certainly since then, and then the George Floyd killing, and all of the other things that have taken place, and cer- certainly on January 6th, that was just a horrible example of the kind of hate that was unleashed in 2016. So my co-host, Chris, is not on this program at this time, and he typically represents white views. Let's just say it, those of a white man. So I'm going to play the the, the devil's advocate here and ask you a question. Uh, And that is exactly and all it is. It's being devil's advocate. And this question is, do you at some point, sometime think, you know, ask yourself if you went too far in your thinking or have you gone too far in how you perceive uh, your husband's activities and actions and thoughts and, and all of that? No, I don't. Um, I have accepted um, what his views are. And um, I, like I said, my, my husband loves me and he treats me like he loves me. He doesn't, he doesn't mistreat me in any way. Um, and, and I love him and he knows that I love him or I wouldn't still be here. Um, but I think defining racism, I mean, he's actually accused me of being racist, I want to tell you. Really? Um, yes. How? What, he uh, has what I mean, what was the, what was the, what was the crime? <laughs> it was, it was, I probably said something that he didn't like. 
um, oh. with regard to okay. race. And um, we, we see things very differently. I mean, I study a lot of sociology. So the things I read are a little bit different than the things that he reads. Um, and while I do believe that Black people can discriminate, against white people and black people Absolutely. can hold bigoted views against about against white people exactly. however black people um those the discrimination that black people have is contextual and it's temporary because black people don't have the power to enact laws and policies that negatively affect the lives of white people and so that's the difference between you mean collectively, what, collectively as a as a nation. Yes, collectively. And um, so, yes, a black person can refuse to serve a white person in a restaurant, which is discrimination. But that person doesn't have any power. To make any policies or anything difficult for them, and that's what what he fails to see. Um, and, and I don't, I don't like calling my husband a racist, but I, I, I don't see how you can have some of those views and not be it. Um, and, and I, I am able to, um, with the help of a therapist, uh, sort of separate the two, his love for me and, and caring for me and, and being a good husband um, and having some problematic views. Now okay. we don't share children. We okay. have children, but mm-hmm. we're remarried. So my yeah. children are black, and his children are white. So two things: and, mm-hmm. Are you seeing? You, you, I heard you say therapist. So you are seeing, or have you seen a therapist? Um, I have seen a therapist because um, I I yeah. I was struggling. I, yeah. I just I just had a lot of anger. Yeah. I can um, I can totally him, see that. Uh, with regard to his support for Trump, and yeah. I felt very hurt and betrayed by him. Yeah. So the second question is the children. Do they engage with each other? And if so, how's that? Our children do not engage with each other at all. Um, hmm. um, we had an incident a few years ago. Um, with one of his daughters when she was 17. Um, she posted the N-word mm. on social media. Okay. And she was playing Scrabble with a relative, and someone thought that was a great word to play, and she photographed it and posted it. And um, that was a struggle for us. It, w- it was my children were offended. I was offended. And I think he... I think he handled it the best way he could, but his focus was more on me um, getting so mad at her. And, you know, then of course he kept telling me she's not a racist. She has black friends. And I I was just like, okay, (laughs) that's. Yeah. You don't get it. Please, please don't go there. But that's, that's what he goes to. She's not a racist. She has black friends. I mean, there's no excuse for that. At 17 years old, you know better. Totally. Um, and, and you you know that your father's wife is black and that that's just not OK. Um, and he says that I handled it wrong and I forever held it against her. And uh, I, I, I probably could have handled it a little bit differently. 
And I, I'm not still holding it against her, even though he thinks that I am. But yeah. our children don't have relationships at all. I have a hundred questions for you. <laughs> but I understand that we can't talk forever today. I mean, we could try it, but I am going to extend this a little bit because I have some more questions that I think are important today. And the first one of those questions is, what are you going to do about this now? My second question is, has it improved any since the new president has come to office? But the first question is, what are you going to do about this? Well, I don't have anything that I'm going to do about it. I'm just going to continue to be me. And um, I do, I, I will say this, JJ, I... I try, I don't watch Fox News or any conservative um, media, but I do read and I do try to understand um, why people may have these views. And um, because I want to, I, I want to understand how he can possibly think these things and, and, and still love me and, the only thing I can come up with is the cognitive dissonance. It's like you you just don't see your ideas and views as a problem. Um, but I don't I don't have any plans to not be with my husband because I do love him. And, you know, when we're not talking about politics, we have a good time. OK, so I have to ask this question, though. <laughs> your love is stronger than your. Feeling about him being a racist. Is that what I hear you? Is, is that what's happening here? Well, probably yes, because there are other things um, that there are other things about him that keep me in the relationship. And so I'm trying not to just define him that some of it, I think he just can't help. It's just he just can't help it. The, The other thing is, JJ, I don't think that Scott would ever mistreat anybody. And he, he certainly doesn't have any power to enact any policies. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Does that make any sense to you at all? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I mean, you are an incredibly courageous and brave woman, you know, for one, confessing what you told us publicly, uh, which I think sparked all of this, you know, um, just hearing someone else that, you know, you identify with struggling with a situation similar to yours, but also courageous enough uh, and realistic enough to look at the nuances of race in this country and not see it as a, you know, a binary situation. Yes or no. There are things in between that, you know, we all have to wrestle with and you're wrestling with them like a real champion. So to you and your husband, even though I, based on what you've told me, and I haven't met him or talked to him, I have to say I strongly disagree with what he thinks about certain things based on your representations and and feels, but I can't say anything against him because you love him and you are a guest on this show and, you know, you, you know, that is, that's just what it is. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not Dr. Phil and I'm not going there. 
the second question I was going to ask you is, has this changed at all since the new president, Joe Biden, came into office? Well, I think what's changed for me is I probably have less daily anxiety about things because um, that certain person isn't doesn't really have that much of a platform as far as um, social media. Um, I don't see my husband's Twitter feed or his Facebook page, and there's a reason for that. Um, That is to keep peace within myself and not to just lash out at him and and be angry all the time. So um, we we try not to talk about politics. We still try not to. I'm sure he thinks that Joe Biden is a, he told me he thinks Joe Biden is a sexual predator. And I'm sure he thinks Joe Biden is a horrible president because he said so. (laughs) So um, I just, I just brush that off and keep moving because I don't, I I don't have the energy to go there. And I, I honestly, being that Trump is gone, I just want to relish in that. Um, and I'm not as stirred up. I think if Trump had won again, I think things could have turned out differently, though. Yeah, that's what a lot of people have said. Um, for us, the listeners here, um, yeah. what is it that you want us to know that I haven't asked you about that you think is important um, as we continue to press ahead here, because uh, I'm betting dollars to donuts here that there are more people out there now that you brought this up that are experiencing something similar to what you're experiencing. Because, again, there was that Katie Musselman um, appearance on the program that just blew up something, you know, our understanding or at least my understanding of what a family was and how it works and just kind of disabused me of the notion that if you're family, there's no racism within a family. And what you've done is just really, I mean, like I said, you blew my mind with this. So um, anything we haven't, I haven't asked you about that you think is important? Um, No, I think, JJ, I think you, you hit it when you said it's, it's not a binary issue. So it's, it's not a, you know, okay, you're this. And so I can't love you and can't be married to you. Um, I, I think that um, I think that that some of the views that he holds are problematic and I, I don't like them, but he is he's he's good to me. He's very good to my children. And I believe that he would do whatever it took to protect me if I were in danger. So. So let me ask you this question, Robin. Is there a danger here that you are, that we are normalizing racist behavior by you being a woman who loves and is married to a man that you admit is a racist, that you say is a racist, but you 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 love him and you're married to him, and others out there who are married to spouses that they too think are racist, but their behavior towards them is not like him to you. They may be abused in some of these cases. Um, and other, I'm just making this up. Um, do you worry that your 
situation here where you say you're you love him still, even though you say he's a racist, might send the wrong message to some people? Uh, well, not really, because um, I mean, my husband is not abusive. And I think if you're in an abusive relationship or you're in danger, then that's then you need to think about that for your own safety. Um, I, 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 I can't lie that I haven't been um, emotionally traumatized or hurt by some of the things that my husband has said or, or thought, but um, which is why I did receive help for it. Um, and if I felt, look, I've been divorced. So if I felt like, you know, I can't deal with this, I can't do this, then maybe that would be the right solution for me. But I, I see the way my husband makes an effort to, to keep our marriage intact. And so, you know, I mean, I appreciate him for that and I appreciate other things about him. Yeah. But you just don't appreciate (laughs) And I'm not making light of this, but you don't appreciate him, as you say, being a racist. I don't know. I don't because I just want him to understand that black lives matter. And I want him to understand why it's a problem that unarmed black people are disproportionately killed and targeted by police. He knows this. So for his response to be, well, white, more white people are killed by police. It's like, are you coming? Are you kidding me? You're not even thinking. Mm. So, you know, and I don't know, JJ, there could be a part of him that's just being a bit of a pro- provocateur and just trying to get a response out of me sometimes. I don't, I don't know that he, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't believe everything that he's saying, but he certainly says those things. Um, that's for sure. Interesting. And, um, I certainly believe wholeheartedly that he does not think he's a racist. Mm. So he's not, he's not one of those people that says he's a racist and he's proud of it. He would never say that he's a racist. Never. Yeah. Well, Robin, um, I, for the one of the few times in my life, I'm completely at a loss for words on how to <laughs> do this, how to wrap this up, except to say that you have shared something today that I think is very important, not just to me, but not just to colors, but to people in general. Um, and it has a much broader meaning and use than just a person on the show uh, sharing their opinion about something and or telling us what their circumstance is, but it it's thought provoking in that it, it gives us an opportunity to reflect on the complexity of relationships, and certainly in this new era of sensitivity when it comes to uh, racism, it certainly shows many of the nuances that a lot of us haven't even dared to wrestle with, but you've put them out there, and so. I can't thank you enough for, for being able to uh, and brave enough to do this and, and coming on the program with us. Well, thank you for having me, JJ. Yeah, you know, at some point, maybe in the future, we'll have your husband on. Maybe we'll have the both of you on in the future. Um, I'm not okay. sure that that would be the case, but um, 
it's certainly something that um, you know if it if it's something you guys want to do, then we'll we'll do that. Just want folks to know that uh, we are open to all sides here, ex- as long as there was people are respectful. You know, we don't. Yeah, he's very he's very respectful. No doubt about that, because he you wouldn't be his wife, I'm sure, based on what I've heard from you. <laughs> if he wasn't. So anyway, um, thank you very much for this 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 opportunity, which is, uh, I think, is a true blessing to me and just a wonderful chance to hear uh, someone being brutally honest about something and the willingness and the courage to do it. So thank you. Thank you. Well, as you've heard me allude to several times during the course of this podcast, this is an extraordinary situation, one that I have never in all of my years of broadcasting, podcasting, being a journalist, encountered. I know that this kind of thing exists because obviously Robin has shared it with us here, but I've heard stories similar to this in the past, but never heard anything exactly like this, and certainly nothing that's been recorded on the record. So this is new territory, but it also is very interesting where she and her husband stand. And so, just to be clear about this, he was in full possession of knowledge that she was going to do this. In fact, was offered the opportunity to appear, and the decision was made between them not to for him because she should have a right to tell her story. And if he wants to tell his later, fine. If they want to tell theirs together, fine, as I alluded to earlier. But This was not a situation that took place because she was angry and just wanted to try to hurt him. This was a situation where Katie Musselman wrote to us, came on our show, told us about something that's taboo that people just didn't want to hear about, uh, didn't want to talk about, and a lot of people still don't want to hear or talk about it, but it exists. So we here at Colors are all about dialogue on issues of race, and I think we did that today. I'm J.J. Green, and I'm Black, and this is Colors. My name is Anjali Chong, and I am Korean-American living just outside of Seattle, Washington. I was born in Seoul, South Korea, and my family immigrated to Hawaii when I was a little girl. We were part of the wave that arrived through family reunification, or more recently coined as chain migration. Growing up in multicultural Hawaii, I felt very comfortable in my own skin and never had to defend my presence here in this country. Lately, that's changed. It has been heartbreaking to see the surge in violence and hate crimes towards Asians and Asian Pacific Islanders, which was already on the rise last year due in large part to the normalization of racist rhetoric from our country's leadership. This community quickly became scapegoats for a global pandemic. In the last year, I have personally experienced mockery towards me and my children by a stranger and other microaggressions for no apparent reason other than our race. The question I always ask myself when I hear about these incidents, which is happening far more often these days, is why? Whether it be misperception, fear, hate, confusion, this pattern of Asians being the forever foreigner or threat is hurtful. It also negates the contributions that the API population has made over the decades. As we have seen, this racialized scapegoating is something that has been repeated in history and only harms communities. I am hopeful that our current president is addressing this issue and condemning anti-Asian racism, but we need to do more as a community at the grassroots level. It is my hope that we be better bystanders, report any hate incidents, be allies for one another, and figure out as a community how to combat the other virus of racism. We have to do better. 
This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Well, this is definitely a show where I missed my old buddy, Chris Kaur, asking questions because this is uh, something that we've been doing for 30 plus years, asking hard questions about race. But uh, if you have any questions or comments about race or this program or a suggestion or want to share your reflection on race in your own words in a recording, send them to us. And here's the address, colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. Coming up in our next episode of Colors. The United Nations makes an appearance on Colors. Mona Rishmawi, she's the Chief of Rule of Law, Equality and Non-Discrimination in the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. The United Nations, like the whole world, was uh, really moved and taken back by the killing the murder of George Floyd. So the Human Rights Council decided at the time, this was about a year ago, June 2020, to look at this issue in a comprehensive way and present a comprehensive report to the Human Rights Council. And they've unrolled a four-point agenda to end systemic racism and human rights violation by law enforcement. And she will be here to tell us exactly what it is that they're doing. And you might be surprised to know that the United States is included in this agenda. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. And just as we go, we want to take a moment to say thank you to some people who've contributed in big ways to the show for a while now. Cortland Cox, Matt Small, Ian Crawford, Hillary Howard, Mike Chikaitis, Marta Hurtado, Deanna Howell, Tyrese Coleman, Ebony Thomas, Vanessa Cook, Christopher Cruz, John Doman, Ken Duffy, Christy Carson, Thomas Warren, Steve Weish, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and the Sergeant Major of the Army, Michael Grinston, Joel Oxley, Sean Anderson, and for the music, thanks to Jesse Gallagher, Cosmic, and Offshane. And most of all, thank you to you for listening to us. And finally, just remember, keep talking to each other. And most importantly, keep listening to each other. You can subscribe to Colors on Apple, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we're in Washington, D.C., so you can find us on the Podcast DC app. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.